Welcome to Generation Y. My name is Will. And I'm Jean. And this is a podcast and a community designed to help young adults thrive. Because young adulting is hard and right now confusing. So we're asking the questions that matter to you most and we're having conversations with people who know the answers. Some of you might have heard the surprising decision this week by some U.S. governors to start reopening their states and local businesses. If you're anything like us, this raised a lot of questions and we wanted some answers. So we brought congressional candidate William Haston back on the show to shed some light on why this decision was made and how you can expect it to affect you. This is the Generation Y Podcast. Today, we're joined by a familiar voice, someone you've heard from before on our show, congressional candidate William Haston, to talk a little bit about some of these new government orders we've just heard uh, about reopening businesses. William, welcome to the Generation Y podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be back. Thank you for um, coming in on such short notice. Um, back again so soon. Yeah. Well, we said we'd have you back when when something was awry or amuck, <laughs> and something's amuck. We had a wonderfully fun, light episode planned for today, and then we heard some pretty startling news that we figured we just needed to talk about. Yeah, we could use some insight. I feel like we we would like to think of ourselves as pretty well informed, but there's just aspects of the decisions being made around our country that we we don't have any background on to understand yeah. why they're being made and who who they benefit. William, I'd love to start off with just for those who don't know what's happening, uh, whether you live in, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, basically in Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp had issued an order that the stay at home order was going to be removed for some businesses. Um, but that might be the extent that some of us know about it. Could you kind of go ahead and just explain a little more about what Governor Kemp said yesterday um, and what that means for us? Yeah, so he decided to lift the stay-at-home order for certain businesses, I guess, that he is now going to deem as essential. Uh, those businesses include things like nail salons, uh, hair salons, barbershops, massage parlors is not really the right word. Massage parlors. Yeah, tattoo parlors. Yeah, that yeah, was an interesting one to me. also in there. So what's happening um, is that, and, you know, this is, this is probably going to ruffle some feathers, but uh, what's likely happening is the governor's gotten a call from his wealthy donors. That's really what it boils down to. That's how most politics, if not all politics works now. Uh, the donors call, you do what the donors say, um, for better, or for worse, the people. So likely what's happening, the donors have called, said reopen the economy. He's chosen the businesses that are going to get the most amount of people off of unemployment while appeasing those people who we've seen in recent days who are protesting uh, the fact that the businesses are closed down. So realistically, it's a political move on his part, uh, gambling with you know people's lives who, for all intents and purposes, um, even when the order is lifted, people probably aren't going to come back to their business. So they're putting their life at risk by going back to work. Who is happy about this decision? I mean, I think that there are, I think that in, in the recent days, there are some people who would claim to be happy about this decision. I mean, we've seen, you know, over the weekend, we saw tons of protesters in Michigan and Colorado, um, you know, and, and I think even there, there are some protests planned here in Georgia for this Friday. Um, we, I, I don't know that that segment of society is going to be happy um, with 
the result of opening the state at this at this juncture, but I think that they will be satisfied temporarily. Uh, what is the scary thing about that is while that short-term happiness um, is likely going to appease those folks, they are going to run the risk of getting very sick um, because as Stacey Abrams pointed out this morning on the news, um, as Mayor Bottoms pointed out last night and then again this morning, we're not adequately testing people. We don't know who's sick. And by reopening the economy, we're putting people at risk. The public health experts have said we are going to experience a second spike if we reopen the economy too soon. Um, and so it is, it is likely that um, for those of us who are actively participating in flattening the curve by staying home uh, and social distancing, if we need to go into public, uh, those people who are not are going to, again, force us to further quarantine uh, and social distance. Mm -hmm. I noticed that when Keisha Lance Bottoms spoke out on this, she, of course, was, you know, PC when she was talking about the governor. But she also said that his decisions seemed to be lacking in logic. He said, well, you all are experiencing uh, better numbers. Like, basically, you have flattened the curve. You're in a better place than you were. And her response to that was, Yes, we're in a better place because we sheltered in place, yeah. meaning as soon as we go back out, that that flattening of the curve is over. Yeah, absolutely. It is one of those things where you you hit the nail on the head, Gene. It, it is a purely political decision not founded in anything logical or factual or science based um, to say that you have flattened the curve thus your numbers have gone down is the point. That's the point epidemiologists are trying to make. However, if once you flatten the curve, you're still not testing, you still don't know who's sick, you still don't have a good way of remedying, remedying this disease, you're just going to spike again. William, what areas have tried anything like this? Have there been any areas or countries or regions that have tried something like this? Uh, and how did that go? I, you know, the, I saw this morning that uh, Danish school children returned to school for the first time um, this week. And I think that's going to be our first real exposure to returning to normal life post COVID-19 quarantine. Um, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. The public health experts have said, uh, I think there was a study out from Harvard yesterday that said we need to be testing 500,000 people a day right. to figure out what's going on. Um we're not there. Like we are, our elected officials, specifically Governor Kemp, is 10 steps ahead of where we actually need to be. And it's not 10 steps ahead in a good way. It's that he's left out the other nine. Um, and, and because of that, you know, we're going to see adverse effects from this. There is no doubt that we are going to see Grady Hospital, Emory University Hospital, Emory Midtown begin to look like some of those facilities in New York where they're just overrun with people because of an irresponsible action motivated by a ploy of some type of politics. It's it's confusing to me because um, in a lot of these press conferences, they keep talking about milestones that we should be hitting before we come out of shelter in place. And like you said, um, we're supposed to be that milestone was we're supposed to be able to test three to five hundred thousand people a day. Um, and currently we are under 150,000. And then the other one was that we were supposed to create like an, an 
army of supplies to get out to every first responders and hospitals to make sure that they were completely shored up and ready for when we reopened the doors. And according to all studies, we haven't done any of that. Well, and it's kind of crazy to think that of all places for us to be taking guidance from on this, the White House has a has a defined set of protocols that needed to be followed before we return to what is essentially normal life, right? And we're still not even meeting the Trump administration's milestones to return to normal. Like that is the absurdity of the governor saying we're going to open certain types of businesses is if this administration and all of its ineptitude and all of its ability to just fail continuously, we're still not at the state level meeting those requirements. And yet we're going to send people back out into harm's way. William, some of the tensions that have been experienced on a state level and a city level, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of our mayors have disagreed with this decision. And this isn't just a Georgia thing. This is wherever you are. It seems like there is some tension on a city level, a state level, and even on a federal level. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think the tension is that, you know, I can't speak to every single mayor or, you know, city administrator, county administrator, but it seems like we're feeling the tension of people who are generally competent Uh, and who actually care for their population more than their political career or aspirations Mm -hmm. run into this idea that the people who actually have a fundamental level of control over all of this don't know what they're doing. You know, it it takes a special person to work local government because it is so hands-on. And those people are now kind of hamstrung by the irresponsible actions of a governor who it's very obvious is not thinking through what's happening or conversely at the very least has surrounded himself with people who are giving him bad advice for him to say, you know, in April that he just found out within 24 hours that asymptomatic people can transmit COVID-19 when you and I knew that months ago is crazy. I mean, you're talking about somebody who has an army of staff, that if he has a question, he could pick up the phone and get an answer directly from an expert. Right. And he's just finding out things like that. That that signals to me there's going to be tension because you understand the person at the wheel doesn't know what they're doing. So, William, why now? Is there any sort of scientific or medical evidence to prove that now is a time that we should be going back into public and opening our businesses? So one of the most telling things, especially if you watch the briefings, um, if you watch anybody from the Surgeon General's office or Dr. Fauci, they are the tell in this game that Donald Trump is playing because he can say one thing. uh, And Trevor Noah actually asked this question on The Daily Show last night. There's a public health expert within arm's reach, and yet the president is still talking. And Mm -hmm. that's because whatever the public health expert says is going to be factual and science-based and and rooted in reality. The president's just, he's an entertainer. So I would say to answer your question, Will, no, of course there is no factual science-based reason why we should be reopening the economy anywhere in this country. We now lead the world in cases of COVID-19 and we're not even testing that well. Right. We're not we we have not tested 20 percent of the population yet. And yet we're like 
let's just reopen the economy. It'll be fine. You know, as, as some conservatives I've heard say, you know, let it wash over us. That was the president's initial idea. But that comes with an understanding. And, and Governor Kemp actually alluded to it when he said, our cases are going to go up when we do this. Well, that's an understanding that people are going to die and that you're willing to roll those dice. Um, to me, that's unacceptable. To me, that is 100% malpractice on his part. William, what about the people who say, hey, we flattened the curve. It's slowing down. The cases are slowing down. We flattened it. What, how do you respond to those people? Of, of course we have. It's because we've been inside for six weeks, social distancing from one another and staying out of huge groups. And when we do have to go into Publix, Publix, wow. Well, wow. also Publix. This episode is brought to you by, <laughs> by Publix, Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. <laughs> so when people are in public, they are being mindful of that distance. They're wearing masks. They're doing the things that public health experts have said we need to do to flatten the curve. So, of course, the curve is flattening, but that doesn't mean that we run right back out there and think that it's just going to be okay. Because what's going to happen is all of this stuff, as a lot of things do in American society, when we're given that level of, of freedom back, that stuff, the social distancing, it's going to go out the window. People are going to want, you know, they're going to want to watch Major League Baseball. They're going to want the Braves to play. They're going to go fill a stadium. That is, that's a, a recipe for disaster. They're going to want to, you know, pack into these places where they haven't been in a while, you know, and it's school it's, and church and school and church. You know, we're seeing it. We've seen it happen with several churches already where they refuse to, to go with the social distancing norms that are being set up. And there are people getting sick. There are people getting hurt yeah. as a result of, you know, just this idea of exceptionalism. Oh, it can't happen to me. When in reality, we're looking at a pandemic where if you're not careful, it's not that it can't happen to you or that it couldn't happen to you. It's that it likely will happen to you. Mm -hmm, just not That's yet. The level of understanding that it's not, as you said, Gene, it's not a, not an if it's a win and, and when is coming depending on how cautious you choose to be. Some experts have said that they think that the only way to really not even eradicate this, but basically like just, risk as few lives as possible is to have us in some form of shelter in place until 2022. Um, is that even economically possible to do something like that? Oh, well, this gets to the crux of why <laughs> I am running for Congress. So I really appreciate you asking that question. <laughs> no problem. Um, the, here's the, here's the thing. And this is, this is in all seriousness, why I am running is because for us to aggressively attack things like COVID-19, because there are so many things within our society, but COVID-19 is the thing because it can end your life. We need a giant, robust social safety net. If we are truly going to shelter in place, we need to understand that we can't keep bailing out airlines and the oil companies and all of these random corporations who are, who are pillaging our money all the time, but rather we need to take care of the people. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that in the coming year that we do have $2,000 a month per person to make sure that families can survive when they can't go back to work if they can't work remote. We need to make sure that we are providing health care as a human right so that when you get sick, you can go to the doctor. We need to make sure that our essential workers are fairly paid and robustly paid 
with hazard pay included mm -hmm. because they are out doing the most difficult work you can ask. And that's taking their lives into their own hands every day for the sake of making sure that the shelves are stocked and right. the supply chain stays open. We, there are so many things within our, within our economy that could be facilitated by the federal government if our tax dollars were used appropriately. William, I want to follow up on something that you said. You talked about a social safety net, and we've heard several people, uh, Andrew Yang included in those, advocate for uh, an ongoing stimulus that isn't just a one-time $1,200 check, but it is an ongoing, they, the, you know, the original proposal was $2,000 a month for everyone over the age of 16. And, um, and this action, this drastic action, some would say, seems like a way to work around having to do that. Obviously, the problem that we're trying to solve is, the, on one side is our economy, the other side is human lives, it seems like. Um, is this a substitute for having to care for our citizens by providing a social safety net or stimulus? So, a couple things to your point, Will, is that um, the proposal for a UBI of $2,000 a month is the minimum, right? Like, that is there's that one time $1,200 does nothing, especially when, you know, the secretary of the treasury came out and said, this is supposed to sustain people for 10 weeks, $1,200. That, that is somebody that is wholly out of touch <laughs> with what money can do. They in obviously America. are right. not paying rent in the city of Atlanta. No, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, my gosh, they're not paying rent in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Like that's <laughs> just, you know, it, it's crazy to think that that was the proposal and that was the thought behind that. Um, you know, talking about putting these things in place now to um, address COVID-19, I mean, that's that's how we got Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid now. You know, FDR came in on the heels of the Great Depression and said, like, hey, we can't, we're not going to have bread lines in America. We're going to make sure people are taken care of if they're elderly. We're going to make sure people are taken care of if they're below a certain economic level. Um, I think now is the perfect time to really understand this is what the future looks like. We cannot continue to be so barbaric that we allow capitalism, as you said, Will, you know, the economy on one side, human lives on the other. We can't allow, you know, capitalism to continue to kill people because that's what's happening, right? right. We have unfettered late stage capitalism that is absolutely 100% crushing people for the sake of, of making a buck. It's just confusing to me because... You look at um, these these statistics for all these other countries, so many, and they are doing monthly $1,500 or they're doing all the way up to like 90%, matching 90% of the income every single month that they had earned before for however long this thing takes. Like you said, we got one check, some of us, not all of us. Yeah. Um, I got one. He didn't get one. Um and might never see it. We don't, you know, we don't know why, but the we are supposed to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And yet we offer a one-time $1,200 check. And now we have the situation where we're reopening businesses. So I can't help but wonder for people who had been applying for unemployment, because in the state of Georgia, if you lost your job due to COVID-19 or your hours got scaled back, now you could apply for unemployment. Well, what happens to everyone who had applied for unemployment, but now their businesses just open back up? Does it become their fault 
if they don't go back to work and put themselves at risk. And so now they can no longer apply for aid. That I think is the, the second most uh, prevalent reason why the governor decided to reopen businesses is because you kick people off the unemployment rolls, you make them ineligible for for unemployment because they have good reason to be afraid not to go back to work. So if they don't go back to work, but their business is technically open, then they're ineligible for unemployment, but their business is carrying that unemployment insurance for that person, not the state. Mm -hmm. So Hmm. this is just, this is something that is so cruel and so just, I mean, it's, it's, there's no other way. I mean, it's just icky, right? It's an episode of scandal. It is. William, to follow up to how close are we to receiving a monthly stimulus or UBI or anything like that? Did that does that go away now? Uh, no, I think that we I think that we will eventually get there. The sad thing is, I think it's going to have to wait till these elections, because what we're seeing now is all of this horse trading in Congress to try to figure out how to get rich people more tax cuts. That is the latest thing I saw today. Uh, right before I came on with you guys, I was reading an article about how even House Dems are trying to figure out a way to give wealthy people tax cuts. It's not enough that 43,000 taxpayers, all of whom make over a million dollars, are going to receive 80% of the current stimulus bill. You know, it's not enough that corporations are raking money in hand over fist out of the current stimulus bill. It's not enough that they created a $500 billion slush fund to fund giant corporations to speculate on their own stocks and trading in the stock market. It, it, it is forever more greed when you pull back those layers. Meanwhile, there Never are people just fund. trying to pay rent and buy exactly. groceries. It's something like, I, I think, you know, there, there's, I, I saw some ridiculously high number and I don't want to misquote it uh, of people that miss their rent. At the first of the month. Oh, yeah. And now landlords are talking about evicting people. Well, you know, we're, we're talking about all of this happening with the backdrop of these dark room deals that include people getting trillions of dollars of free money. And, and the question that we continually see asked is, how are you going to pay to give everybody health care? How are you going to pay to pay for kids college? How are you going to afford to pay to end the wars. Like we're seeing all of these ridiculously stupid questions asked while the Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars to throw at rich people. I mean, you can bail out airlines, but nobody's booking a flight to Europe if they can't afford a suitcase, you know? Exactly. It's, it exactly. seems so counterintuitive. Well, and the airlines are are some of the worst. I mean, United is is the grossest example of mismanagement I have seen since probably Enron, Lehman Brothers. I mean, some of these giant corporations that you've seen fail, um, they spent 98% of their available capital on buying back stocks to pay executives and shareholders more money. And they're talking about cutting back 90% of their workforce. I mean, it, it, it it is the epitome of corruption and what is wrong with our country period you know people say we've never been more divided than we are right now i I mean you know we're 
we'll give people that, you know, we'll discount the fact that we held slaves in the country for like 400 years and then like 75 years <laughs> of Jim Crow and segregation. Right. But we've, we've never been more segregated than we are right now. And I hope that you guys can feel the sarcasm in my voice. But it is, we are. The haves and have-nots have never been more apparent. The haves are doing everything they can to actively crush the have-nots. I mean, I, you know, I go back to what Eugene Debs said in his 1918 speech in Canton, Ohio, where he said, anybody that renders useful service, whether it be man or woman, they're my comrade, they're my brother and sister, and to serve them is the greatest gift of my life. That, that is what we should be operating from. You know, they're, we're getting crushed under the weight of greed. We're getting crushed under the weight of this idea that the economy has to survive, the airlines have to survive, you know, oil companies have to survive, but they give us nothing. All they do is take from us. So what, what can we do as the working class, as those people who are deemed lesser than, I mean, there are people that would look at you and I as lesser than because we don't have that access to that type of money. Right. You know, what do we do to fight back against that? And it is that social safety net. So it what, is what do I mean, doing, what do we do? I think right. I feel like uh, what people are saying, I mean, this is on both sides of the aisles too. Um, like conservatives and liberals I've heard in the last day just say, I don't think this was the right decision. Like even here in Georgia, I don't think this was the right decision. Um, so I'm going to continue to shelter in place. Um, I mean, what can we, what can we do to protect ourselves when some of us are actually going to be forced back out of our homes because we have to go back to work because those businesses have opened. I mean, what are our options here? I, you know, this, I think this is kind of outside the realm of what I could say with confidence. Um, but I can confidently say just stay with the public health experts recommendations of washing your hands, wearing a mask, keeping social distance, doing all you can to really protect yourself and understanding that when you get home at night, there is a need to actually, you know, disinfect and, you know, not automatically, you know, you know, engage your spouse or your kids and really just do everything you can within your power to protect yourself because the, the people who control this game, they don't care. They don't care. And so it's up to us to really, protect ourselves by way of, you know, every means that we have readily available. Yeah. But we basically need to just continue to be vigilant regardless of the, the circumstances. Just look out for yourself because no one else is going to do yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, we might be the only ones doing it and look out for each other and yeah. look out for one another. don't let this lull you to sleep, you know, just because we return to this, this semblance of normalcy. Don't let it lull you to sleep and think that, oh, I, I don't need to wear my mask today. Or I, you know, I, did I wash my hands? You know, don't let it, don't let this idea that we're returning to regular life, you know, lull us into this place where we start to take for granted our own health again. Well, I would say the long story short is don't undo all the work that you've done over these past several weeks by doing something rash. And I see, I would, you know, see it like this. If you're working out and exercising and you spent so much time, you know, trying to get healthy and get fit, 
and then you just eat like crap because you've exercised so much. You're just undoing all the work that you've done. Absolutely. So, you know, what we're seeing here is that, yes, the curve is flattening because social distancing is working. And what I imagine that we will see if people start going back out and assuming regular life is we're going to start to see a spike in cases again. Yeah, like the other countries who've already tried it. And I guess we'll find out, but not this family. <sighs> no. Not mine either. We are we are staying inside as long as we possibly can. William, do you have any uh, any other thoughts that you would like to share with with our listeners before you go? Kind of the thing I if you if you've not been catching my videos, please take a look. Um, but the same thing I've been saying, um, please be careful. Just be careful. Um, yep. No, it's not worth losing your kid, your spouse, your elderly parents to go get a haircut. It's not worth it. it. Just please be safe, wash your hands, keep your distance and understand that this thing is going to be out there and it's going to be out there for a while. And we need to do everything we can to continue to flatten the curve. And, you know, probably uh, shamelessly in this moment, vote for somebody that's going to fight to keep you inside. That's going to fight to make sure that you have all the tools necessary to beat this thing so that we can go back to or move forward into what is going to become the new normal. And where can our listeners find um, more on you and, and catch more of these videos? So all of the social media platforms, uh, William Four F O R G A and the number four. Uh, and, you know, for any of the other issues that you may uh, care about, uh, I probably covered them on my website at williamhaston.com. Um, there's a lot. So please yep. take a look. They're very good. Yeah, we we watch your videos every night, and we will uh we'll put that information in our show notes so people can find you, William. I can't promise that you won't come back, and you know <laughs> we'll definitely a, have you back <laughs> in a few weeks. Uh, for, we'll be visiting uh, our government correspondent, William Hasten, again. Uh, once again, guys, for all of our listeners, um, we would love it if you would subscribe uh, to the show. Just make sure you don't miss any episodes. Share this with a friend who has questions right now. And then a super helpful thing for us is please leave us a review. What that does is that helps other people find this show. It helps other people find uh, access to information and conversations that we hope are helpful and makes their life a little bit easier. Uh, and then once again, you can follow us on our Instagram and find out kind of all the things that we're doing there. That's Gen Y Podcast, G-E-N-W-H-Y Podcast. And we'll post all sorts of stuff to make your life better, happier, and um, and a little bit easier. It's so, an awesome podcast. I learned to manage expectations this week. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Bet you didn't see this one coming, though. That's right. That's right. William, thanks so much for joining us. You're and the for best. all of you, we'll see you guys next week on the Generation Y Podcast. <laughs>